Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, guys, welcome to the Rickshaw's Golf Show podcast, everybody. Episode number 88. We're here at the studio. Here we go. Um, how you doing, pal? Good. Good. <laughs> um, I've had a crazy busy weekend, and it's nice to actually speak to uh, adults again. Explain. Well, in fact, that's why today's podcast is going up a bit late, isn't it? So people are listening. Um, it's my kids' fault. It's your children's fault. It's your fault for having children. It's my kids' fault for wanting, like, needing parental guidance. Or do you know what I mean? It's, it's your wife's fault, actually. She it's left my them wife's the fault, but I can't blame my wife. Um, yeah, so I was on Daddy Daycare. Four days. Four days. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I mean, it's fine. Obviously, I'm a parent. I should yeah. be able to look after my kids, which I did, and, and actually really, really enjoyed it. Uh, while my wife went away with the girls on a big boozy weekend. Was it boozy? Very. Did she have a sore head when she came home? No, she actually, because she went, she went like boozy Friday, boozy Saturday, spa Sunday, chilled Monday. So then she comes home to the kids feeling quite refreshed. And I just Very pass clever. them over. You know what, though? I must admit, I crushed it. Why? What did you do? I just, I just crushed it. I think the kids are much better when they're just with me. Do you reckon they feel, they can tell there's only one parent they need to help you out a bit? Yes. And I, I feel like when I parent them, I'm like the best friend of it. Mm. And also bribery really works. We're talking McDonald's, chocolates. Ice cream. Yeah. Park. Kids play. Uh, what else do I treat them to? Basically, I've just bribed them. And they were good as gold. Well, that's good news. <laughs> normally, this podcast, as people might know, it goes out on, in UK time. It's normally midnight on Tuesday morning. Yes. And then the, the actual YouTube video version, people that watch that, is normally about half seven in the morning. Today, we actually, this is the first time ever, probably, we've recorded the podcast on the day it's going out. So must be mm, up there. I bet we in have done studio, it before. definitely, though. In the studio. So, yeah, we normally film it on a, and record it on a Monday, release it, as Guy just said, midnight Tuesday morning. So, uh, Australians get it. The UK get it once they wake up in the morning, and then America get it obviously when they're already when they are awake. awake well, it's now ten forty two. This is probably about an hour, so I'll be hopefully I think this could be out audio wise for like half twelve ish. So hopefully for people's drive home from work. Exactly. Um, the good news though is we, we were actually going to record it last week before you were off, but. I didn't think there was much to talk about. We had nothing to I had talk absolutely about. nothing to say to you. <laughs> we, had, we actually walked around. The back in last week, just not talking to each other because we'd run out of things to say. Saving every single thing for the podcast. But today, I've put a pretty good show together, Rick, and I know you have been doing some research on the Olympics because that's a big topic, probably from the title of the podcast. We're going to talk about the Olympics and golf in the Olympics. Yeah, You don't know my thoughts on it yet, do you? I don't, and I'm quite interested to find out because I know what you like. 
Yeah. I'm quite vanilla with things like this. <laughs> but you, you don't I'll sit on the fence a little bit. You sit on the fence and get all the praise. I'll put an opinion out there and get destroyed in the comments and then quit the podcast for two days, text you privately and say I'm really upset and then by next Tuesday I'll be fine again. Um That's how it normally goes. In are we going on to that now? Uh, first thing Go on. Yes, we will in a second, but I've got a little weird stat for you that's kind of no relevance to anything whatsoever, but it surprised me. So a friend of mine in the golf industry, who I'm not going to name for some reasons, but I'm sure you'll, Legal be able, reasons. you'll be able to work it out after probably. He sent me a stat. And what amazed me is, right, straight for, I want you to answer this question in as quick as you can. Okay. Number one ball in golf. Titleist Pro V1. Okay. And that's the answer I was expecting. And that is the ex- answer that most people would give, wouldn't they? It's, you use the Pro V1. Uh, I know you've switched in and out of tailor-mades and bits and bats. And, and I use the Pro V1. I also know that, Strix and Z Star is as good. Taylor made TP5 is as good. The Bridgestone balls. I've done videos on it. Exactly. I've done videos on on all of those golf balls you just mentioned. But what baffles me is I still always want to play a Pro V1. At the moment in time, anyway, I don't really know why it is. I think it's from growing up. It launched in the year 2000 and I was right getting into golf and it was the the number one ball. Is is this a new sponsor you've not told me about? No, 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 because it's going to flip on its It's going to flip on its head in a second. But but their branding is very much geared towards that number one ball in golf. Very quickly, before I always remember this funny story. They're so conscious about number one golf ball in golf that all of their adverts will only ever be shot with a Titleist one. Ah. So you, if you ever look round a Titleist advert, they're always Titleist one. So sub, sublimical messaging that they're number one ball. Are you bother about the number on your ball when you play? Not really, no. I'm not. I think I was as a kid. I've, I've probably been through... I used to love Strata Zeros. Yes. And I used to love Stratas because they came out with a zero. Yep. And then do you remember when... I'm going off topic here. Don't, uh, let me come back to that Titleist story in a mm-hmm. minute. But I remember when Titleist also... Uh, sorry, Strata came out with um, not the number on the golf ball, but a um, playing card. Hearts. Diamond. Spades. I yes. love that as well. But anyway, the funny story was Jordan Spieth, he did an advert for Under Armour. And um, really well shot, this big fancy commercial and everything else, right? And there was a particular close-up of him hitting driver. And the ball was teed up, and the ball on top of the tee, as people know, he uses a tight list. It was a tight list four. And he hit the shot, and that was the advert and everything else. And the story being, his tight list was so unhappy with it they're using the title for they offered to pay for the whole shoot to be redone again just so they could use a title one. Oh my word um and apparently it never it never materialized and uh ended up going out as a title for oh my days but anyway so going back to that story that's their that's their big brand piece they really want to push this message of number one bowling golf so what are you going to tell us so what i'm going to say to you is that and this is stats i've been sent and i've done a little bit of research to th- i think it's definitely correct the actual numbers might be slightly off but I've, i believe it's correct so the next masters which will be in april 2022 yes. is the next major come Masters sunday morning obviously we don't know who the winner is going to be if the next masters <laughs> clearly i can't predict that um but come master sunday morning in Woolley. yeah that'll be good it will be 969 days since Titleist, the number one ball in golf, won a major. Ooh. How mad is that? So, when you look back at the major winners, obviously, this year, we've had uh, Colin Marikawa, who people will know is a tailor-made, tailor-made ball. John Rahm. Callaway. Callaway ball. Phil Mickelson. Callaway ball. Matsuyama. Shrixen. Yes. Last year, 2020, we won three majors. We had Bryson. Bridgestone. Marikawa. Uh, tailor-made. Dustin. Tailor-made. And then the 2019 um, 
winners were Shane Lowry. Shrixon. Gary Woodland, who I think is... Wilson? Possibly. But basically, the last winner of a major with a, with a tightest ball was Kepka in 2019, and it was the USPJ, I believe. Wow. So when you think of that, I mean, that that must be quite bad news for Titleist, that they've got the number one perceived ball in golf, but it'll be potentially come to three years since they won a major. So I'm guessing Titleist didn't send you this stat. No. <laughs> I'll tell you what's a mad one, though, and, and we kind of saw it a little bit take place, is before Mickelson... The last Callaway player to win a major wow. was ridiculous. Remember, we, we worked it out. Was it Danny Willett? Yeah, it or, was. No, it was. Was it not Molinari? Was he not Callaway at that point, 2018? No, he wasn't. Was he, was he unbranded? Yeah. Then? Yeah, so the last, before Mickelson won, the last Callaway player, I believe so, to win a major was Danny Willett back in 2015? Uh, 16, I think he was, was he? Yeah. But you know what's mad, though, is... We, I know we talk about this a lot on like athletes and the, the tour pros and what they play and does it impact what people buy. And you'd think on paper it should do. But if you ask that question, I've just asked you about who's number one ball in golf, to a, a room of 100 golfers, I bet most, not maybe everybody, but most would say, tightlist, tightlist, tightlist. But then when you look at it, that talk, they've, they've not won a major for that long. Does it actually matter to people? People wouldn't know, would they? No. Just a little interesting start for you. Bit of a golf nerdy start, but I thought I'd give it to you. I honestly believe... We talked about it maybe last week or the week before. I honestly believe I am a lucky charm. I think you are. I honestly believe now that there's something magic about me. So last time we mentioned this, Minu <laughs> Lee had won the Scottish Open. Kind of really out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, considering we met him a few weeks before, did the reverse video at, at St. Andrews with him. Um, in Scotland. I like how in, it was Scotland, in Scotland. Yeah. Like literally down the road from Renaissance. A couple of weeks later... He goes and wins the Scottish Open. Mm. I've talked about this before. When I caddied for Westwood, he went on a run after that incredible um, run. Tyrrell Hatton, I played Olivia with him Cowan. before. Olivia Cowan. Yeah. So that was another video, which was mad because it's a shame we didn't release that before she won. Mm. So when I caddied for her at the Aramco, she went on to win as a team to win the biggest prize, one of the biggest prizes in ladies' golf. And while I was at Aramco at Centurion, I also spent a little bit of time and got a selfie with Minji Lee, who, who is, is Min Woo Lee's sister. And this weekend, she went out and posted a astonishing 64 in the final round to win her first ladies' major tournament. It's mad because a lot of people <laughs> think to win a major, it takes years of practice, of keeping your body in good shape, of maybe seeing a golf psychologist, of eating the right foods. All it takes is a selfie with Rick Shields and you will win a major. That is literally it. That is mad. And But how mad is a family? You've got one of the biggest events in world golf, I would say, a Rolex series event that Min Woo Lee went on to win. Certainly on the European tour, we can, we can say it's one of the biggest events by far. His sister has then gone on to win one of the women. There's five women's majors, I believe, isn't yeah. there? So she's won one of the five majors, the biggest golf tournaments for women in the space of, what, two weeks? How must her family be feeling oh right now? Oh, my God. It's it's actually ridiculous because if you obviously listen to the podcast with Min, Min Woo Lee, we talked about the fact that the, their parents, Min Ji Lee and Min Woo Lee's parents, have a little cafe in Perth where it's a bit of a shrine to both of them. Imagine that Monday after, like... I. I it's outrageous. I mean, when did they retire? When did they shut the calf and go, you know what? Our kids are looking after us now. Yeah. 
Because I, I think they're doing all right. I the would please. I would love, and this might never happen because of diaries, but to have a podcast with them both. Oh, my How goodness. good would that be? Well, they're both in America today. It's actually Min Wheelie's birthday today. Oh, is it? Yep. Um, both in America now. So they managed to catch up on the birthday. Um, but honestly, the final round, ra- I mean, talk about nerves. She... Stuck it in close on the last hole and, and needed to needed to make like a 12, 15 footer to kind of post the clubhouse lead. Uh, she did. Then she got into a playoff, two, two uh, player playoff, and she birded the last hole to win. Stuck it into like, again, 24, had an opportunity for Eagle. Just missed the Eagle, tapping for birdie, wins. How Unbelievable. I... I'm sure, she, I'm sure she was six or seven shots behind at the start well, of the day. She, I think she was. Cause I'm sure she was seven under, and then the person that she went into playoff with was one under, I believe. So, some, yeah. How, how do you have those nerves playing golf to be able to perform like that on the final day on the biggest stage in your sport? Joke. I, I literally, Joke. I said, I think I said last week or the week before. If I was playing you for lunch, I get, I get nervous knees. <laughs> my knees start shaking, and then weirdly, when I take the putter back, my left knee like comes out and stuff. That's for like lunch. It's mad. I, I just the, the, these players. At the, at the best level, are just built differently. Mm-hmm. They are just they, there's something that's different about them that that they thrive on those situations. They absolutely love it when they've got when they're under the cosh mm-hmm. and they've got to produce. Um, amazing. Well, a little segue from playing on the biggest stage and thriving under pressure is to the Olympics. So, I would think that most people would agree the Olympics. Far, for for most sports are the absolute pinnacle. I've been loving it so far. I've not watched hardly any yet, and I didn't think I was going to do. Have you watched a lot? Loads. Actually, kind of live or on catch up. Like, well, obviously yeah. the time difference is That's, quite yeah. challenging with Tokyo. Um, but I mean, to be honest, the the coverage has been astonishing, mm-hmm. and it's the first time that obviously again I was on Daddy Daycare this weekend, so we had a bit of chill time on Monday, and me and the girls, um, Jude was playing somewhere, whatever he was doing. Me one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the girls, honestly, just flicked on BBC, and I reckon we watched... Seven different sports throughout the day. Really? We watched everything from rugby sevens to gymnastics to swimming to triathlons to what else did we watch? Um, the mountain biking, table tennis. Absolutely loved it. Loved it. And I loved it. Uh, you know, I, mem- I remember one of my favorite memories ever was that, um, what did they call it now, that Magic Saturday or whatever, in 2012 yeah. at London, when Mo Farah won and Brett Rutherford, and that, that evening that was just out of this world, there's something incredibly magical and almost very emotional about the Olympics. I get really emotional about it. In terms of passion for, your, for, for Great Britain or for the individual winning and seeing how much it means to them? Anybody winning. Mm-hmm. Anybody, and it sounds daft, anybody from any country. Obviously, I love it when GB do well, obviously, because that's, that's, that's my, my country. But for me, anybody, when, I, when I see passion and I think about how hard these athletes work, it's five years this time, because obviously it was supposed to be last year. This time, it's been five years since the last Olympics where these athletes are putting in blood, sweat, tears, Every single day during a global pandemic, mm. they're going out there and working their absolute socks off to become an Olympic champion. And I get I get so emotional when they get silver because yeah. I think they're so close. I mean, obviously, it's an amazing achievement. Don't get me wrong. Everyone wants to win a medal. But sometimes when it's so close, like Mar- I was watching like jujitsu yesterday and uh, I can't, sorry, I can't remember the woman's name, but she, she literally lost a second before the buzzer went and End up getting a silver medal. But, but you know what I like about that, though? In some situations, silver medal could be an absolute nightmare for some of them who are maybe number one seed. Correct, yeah. But you sometimes see it where it might be someone who's world-ranking number five yeah. gets a silver, and yeah. that means so much that they were never... Just to get on the podium and get a medal. Yeah. So it's kind of like, for different athletes, it means different things. And like even, like, I was watching, like, the... the synchronised diving yesterday and Tom, Tom Daly, Daly winning gold for, like... And I can't believe... He, I didn't... Honestly, I hadn't computed that he'd never won gold. Same. Considering he, he he grew up as that little kid from back in two thousand eight at Beijing, and every four years he, he comes back out and like I mean he still looks like a kid now, but he's talking about he's like the granddad of the team, and obviously he's married to to his partner, and he's, they've got a little boy together. And just to see that emotion come out, um, I felt a little bit sorry for his mate because Tom Daly got all the attention on that. He's got a gold medal. I can't so. remember his name, sorry. <laughs> something Lee. I know it was something Lee. All the Lees won this weekend. Yeah. Um, but it was just, I, I just love every single bit of it. And again, for me now, having my kids there and watching it, like like my, my eldest daughter, they've done gymnastics a little bit in the past, suddenly wanted to do gymnastics again. And Pearl is going out in the garden doing cartwheels. And I'm like, 
This is what sports. This is what sports do for people, mm-hmm. and I think that that's very easily forgotten about. Like, I can't remember my first Olympics to be honest. Watching it, I remember Sydney in two thousand or that might have been in two thousand. I, like I think it was. So, like all of those, you know, those little sparks of inspiration and um, the stories behind the individuals and Adam Peter, the swimmer as well. I mean, it was so many. I mean, yesterday was such a great day for Olympic, for certainly for GB. I think we won six medals or something crazy. Um, but I could watch any sport. And last one as well, I love the skateboarding. Did you see that podium with the female skateboarding? The average age of the podium was 14 and oh, a half. The average age. I think the, the gold medalist was 13 years old and she won a gold medal in skateboarding. So you're a fan of the Olympics? Honestly, love it. And I didn't think I was going to be. Okay. <laughs> and that, No, it's, I think that's true. I think everybody gets at least one sport you will watch and get drawn into. For me, it's always at the 100-meter sprint. It's you, you watch that and it's just like so exciting. And like you said, it's so much work of years and well, lifetimes of work into essentially one race that's like 10 seconds, whatever it is. Let me come on to golf and the Olympics. Yep. So over the last few days, I, I must admit, I didn't really know much about it. Obviously last year, well, last Olympics, 2016, was the first one was like a hundred years or something yeah. crazy of golf. And yeah. obviously, as we know, Justin Rose won it. Um, and then this year, I didn't really know too much about it. I probably still don't know as much as I should, but I've been doing some kind of research on it. And I've also done some polls online as well. So okay. I don't know if you've seen, I did one on my Instagram. So I literally did a simple poll that said, I bothered about the uh, golf in Olympics. And it was literally so polarizing. 53% of people, which was about um, 1,000 people, said yes. 47% of 900 said, no, I'm not bothered. So it was pretty much bang on 50-50. What do you and think I voted on that? I've not seen what you voted. Don't worry, what I do guess, you think I voted? I guess you put yes. Yes. Um, and then we did the same thing in our Facebook group as well. So if you're not a member of our Facebook group, I'll give it a quick plug now. It's the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast on Facebook. And there was a little bit more in favour. Let me just pull it up quickly uh, because I don't want to kind of guess it. I think it was more probably 60-40 in favour of. Um, Let me just pull it up. And I kind of wanted to mention it today and and, and hear your thoughts on it. And Because I, at the minute, I'm on the fence. So there's 802 people said they were excited, 503 said they didn't care about it. So I'm probably more in the camp, I'll be honest, if not that bothered. And I'll kind of give you my reasons for it now really and then obviously I want to hear why you maybe are as bothered but for, for me the Olympics and you just you hit the nail on the head of everything you just said that it's the absolute pinnacle of your sport so yep. Tom Daly has been training for the last five years like since the last Olympics to, to win that gold at uh, diving and, and for that for the one thing I think sometimes gets overlooked because we don't see it that often Tom Daly has for example has won many 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 medals mm-hmm. not the Olympics yeah so like they have the the world championship yeah. they have a world cup even I think I wouldn't know. I, I'm sure a lot of the, you know, a lot of kind of athletic events or swimming and things like that, they have many, many different tournaments throughout the year, but maybe not nowhere near as many as golf. So, it's not every week, is it? Let's be honest. Not that I know, but so like you're sprinting, I know you have like the world championships, yes. the indoors as yes. well. And they're obviously made like massive events, but as far, I mean, I'm not an expert in Olympics or in athletics at all. But for those guys, it's pretty obvious the Olympics is the absolute pinnacle. That's the dream. It's every yeah. four years. That's the one they're training for. They might compete in one in a lifetime. They might be lucky enough like Tom Daly or Steve Redgrave to compete in, in multiple. Yeah. For golf, obviously, we have the four majors, which at the moment, certainly, 
is the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Yeah. We, we've kind of ranked them before, haven't we, in order of what we think is the most important. But ultimately, a major is a major, and that is the absolute elite for, for professional golf. So with the with the Olympics, it kind of, to me, I mean, I personally, I would never look down at Justin Rose when he won it. But I didn't necessarily see him as any more of a golfer from winning it. Did you? I've got mixed. I, I'm so excited. I, I I can't answer that question. Why? For me, it's not. It's not about the individual. For me, for me, golf at the Olympics is about the sport of golf. And like I just men- mentioned a second ago, I want golf to be in the Olympics for everything that I love about the Olympics and the exposure it gives to so many different people around the world. Again. Using my using the example of Pearl going out in the garden yesterday, mm-hmm. doing cartwheels in the garden because she's just seen gymnastics on TV. For me, golf being in the Olympics is a paramount. Not I mean, paramount's quite a strong word, but very very important for our sport. That so many people around the world gets an insight into golf. Like we are being the the sport of golf is being put into the Olympics as a as a way of showcasing how how amazing our sport can be. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so passionate about it being in the Olympics. Who wins? I'm not massive that fussed about. And the tournament itself, I'll watch it, obviously. But I'm not going to be absolutely gripped. Because like you say, I'm gripped about who wins the Masters. I'm I'm gripped about who wins the Open. I was gripped about Justin Rose winning the Olympics because obviously he's from GB. So, But let's say... Henrik Stenson won the gold last time. I think he got silver or bronze. And I think Matt Cooch got silver or bronze. I can't remember the order. I might not have been that bothered about the individual winning. I was very bothered this time because Justin Rose won it. And I thought it was amazing the way he showcased it. He was a great ambassador for the sport. So that's kind of why I'm so unbelievably passionate about it being in the Olympics more than anything. So for you, it's not so much about who actually wins, who places. It's more about the sport being showcased. Correct. But that for me, I love the fact that you've got back-to-back weeks. I, I would love it to be a little bit mixed, or I wouldn't mind a different format. I think it could one format that I think would be amazing if it was like doubles match play or individual match play or something that it's not just a seventy-two hole tournament that we're going to get. That's the only thing that I wish they could have done differently. But I understand there's time restrictions and and things like that do take time and. When you do do a match play event, you've got to really condense it. But I would love to see it where we do mixed doubles. Go out and play mixed doubles as a as a format where you've got um, you've got like not speed golf, but like a six hole shootout that wins a gold medal. Like swimming, have so many different disciplines, or, or even relay. Mm-hmm. I mean, why could you not do relay in golf? Like, why could you not do the first six holes or the first um, if you had four people? The, yeah, four people what would that be couldn't do it with four people could you because 18 is not divided do you by think four. that would cheapen the sport though and it would not be authentic to what actually golf is i still do this i still do the 72 hole tournament that would be one category yeah. but i think i think there should be many many more goals up for offer mm-hmm. like more medals available for for golfers because imagine if after the olympics we suddenly had 10 golfers that had medals it'd be more than that 10 golfers that had gold medals and then 60 golfers that had maybe would not be 60, 30 golfers that would have come out of the Olympics with medals, that would be really good. And it's totally different to what we normally get. Because after a normal golf tournament, you get one winner. Mm-hmm. That's it. You almost don't remember who even second place is, third place. 
But if we could have golfers walking around and going to events with the medals, I just think that could that could be really exciting for the world of golf. So it, for, I, I think I agree. Well, I do agree with you when you're saying about how golf is on a global stage in the Olympics, and obviously it could inspire youngsters maybe play a game they would never have dreamt of or at least watch it and understand it and have some level of interest in it and I think most people listening or watching would agree with that because how can you not want the sport you love or enjoy to be seen by more people I think most people would want that take that away for one second because I think we can all agree that's a good thing I've also got one other take as well I think the formats being different or shorter would in, would get people more people watching because again I could just stick on the tv yesterday and I could watch the final of table tennis for 10 minutes and I know the winner. I know, but should your sport change for the Olympics, though? Because all the other sports are that sport, aren't they? Again, I'd still have this, but I know golf isn't going to be aired at the Olympics that much. It's going to be a, a mention at the end of a highlights reel. Oh, yeah, by the way, such a body won the golf. If, yeah. if it's nobody big name, if Rory wins it or, you know, um, Tommy wins it or mm. someone like that, yeah, it's going to be a big story. But I think if, if not a big name wins it, it's just going to fiddle out. Yeah. No, nobody's going to talk about it. So so if you just part for, let's say then, we're happy that it's in the Olympics in the sense that it's obviously going to get more people seeing it. Yeah. And again, I completely agree with that. In terms of what we have got then, we've got a 72-hole tournament. There's no cut, apparently. Um, how do you honestly feel about that? Are you excited about the golf? Are you excited about who wins or not? I, I'm, I would love it. Obviously, if a big name wins it. Mm-hmm. And it sounds daft that. Obviously, I would love Paul Casey or Tommy Fleetwood to win it because they're yeah. from GB. But for me, and it sounds really... I'd love anyone... Whoever wins it deserves to win it, obviously. But if a big name wins it, I think, again, that's really good for golf. Somebody who's going to showcase it, a Colin Marikawa, Xander Shoffley, you know, Shane Lowry, Rory McIlroy, uh, even like Hideki, Hideki Matsuyama mm-hmm. or something. Like somebody who, who can really showcase it. Um as a golfer, would you be obviously? I think the way it works is it goes basically down the world rankings, and you can have four maximum of four from one country, so you can only have four from the US. When we look at the world rankings as it stands, we've got number one John Rahm. He's not playing now because he got tested positive for COVID. Yeah. We've got Dustin Johnson not playing. I don't know why he was no. never bothered. We've then got um, Bryson's not playing because tested positive for COVID as well. I believe yeah. Brooks isn't playing because. I'm not too sure why. I'm not sure if Louis Townsend's playing. I've not seen his name. I've got the start. I've um, got the list of all think, the players. Yeah, I, I can't see him on that list. Um, he's not. The highest ranked English guy is Tyrrell Hatton in the world rankings. He's not playing. Now, whether he wasn't high enough at the time, I'm not sure. Jordan Spieth's not playing, who obviously came second, was it, at the Open and did, yeah. did really well. Uh, Tony Finau's not playing. Fitzpatrick's not playing. So there's a lot of big names that aren't playing either because they've tested positive for COVID, which can't really be helped, or they've either chosen not to. Do you feel like then the winner, it's not really... I mean, there's some massive names. We've got Justin Thomas, Marikawa, Patrick Reed, Rory, Victor Hovland, Matsuyama, Casey, which you've obviously reeled off, Fleetwood. But do you feel like without those other superstars, certainly without Bryson and Dustin and John Rahm, it's got a little bit of an asterisk next to it that you've not... I certainly think the the whole Olympics is going to have a weird asterisk against it mm-hmm. because of COVID. Like, there are athletes in all sports that aren't going to make it because mm-hmm. they got tested you know, with COVID, which is massive shame. Obviously, it's down to the individual if they want to play in it. Like, so I had no idea why DJ is not particularly playing it or Brooks, whether it's commitment or they don't want to go, didn't might not want to travel to Tokyo. Yeah. Obviously, the the risk, the the infection rate over there is quite high, you know. Um, so like, they might not want to risk it. They might not want to bring it home with them. I don't know what their personal reasons are. I, you know, 
so I, I don't think whether there's an asterisk next to it. But again, I'm not. It sounds that I'm not that bothered who wins. Personally, I'm not that bothered who wins it as Is long that as a it's bad a big thing, name. Then? But I'm not looking at. I, I, I'm I'm looking at it as a showcase of golf. Like I'm not. I, but but that's what I'm trying to get out there. We've agreed. We've kind of agreed on that. That's great. And we, let's just put that to one side. We definitely know that that's good for golf. But as a golf fan, which you are, yeah. and a very hardcore golf fan, really, you work in the industry. Should you not be more excited for the result of the Olympics? Um, that's that's what I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to kind of get to the bottom of it because that I'm, I might sound like I'm negative, and I'm not. I'm on the fence with it. But what I'm trying to, in my own mind, work out is I don't really. I'm not that excited to watch it, and I feel like I but, should be, and I feel guilty for not being. But in a weird way, like, I don't always mind who wins the Open. Mm-hmm. I don't mind who wins the Masters. But you're excited to watch it? I am. I, I'm I'm not excited about particularly watching this for maybe a couple of reasons. One, the golf course I have no idea about, mm. literally no yeah. idea. And I just know it's not going to particularly get the airtime, and there's no crowd there, and it, it's, it's not going to be... A, a, a real exciting event. Like you can watch the hundred meters in 10 seconds. Yeah. It's done. And the whole build up and everything's exciting. But God, we know golf isn't that exciting to watch as, as a, yeah. as a spectator sport sometimes. I think that's just what feels a shame though, because like, imagine if you, I don't know if you were into your sprinting or into your swimming or whatever, and you go to a sprint club or a swimming club, you'd imagine, I might be talking nonsense here, but you'd imagine that on that day when that sport's on, you're sitting down to, to watch it and you can't wait. It almost feels bad as, as golfers, and fairly, I know we don't watch the PJ Tour every week, but as you know, keen golfers who watch the majors with real interest that were not that fussed about watching the, yeah. the Olympics. The one thing that I was trying to work out before, and I think I may have found the answer, are the golfers the wealthiest athletes at the Olympics? Ooh. Like, can you name? And I'm, I'm not just—I don't really know that many of the hundred meter sprinters now. But yeah, for example, without googling, who do you think? And this is only Google. Who do you think's got a higher net worth? Usain Bolt or Justin Rose? Is Usain Bolt in it this time? No, no. but that's what I'm using as an example oh, because net- he is the number w- one yeah. athlete ever. I would say. Well, through actual sport, I imagine Rose has won more, but I imagine through endorsements, I'd say Usain Bolt. Yeah, would be I'm only worth looking more. at net worth. Net I'd worth. Say Usain Bolt. Then. Net worth. Apparently, Justin Rose is worth more. Really? Net worth. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know it's Google. Yeah. Net, net worth of me on Google doesn't quite say what it is, <laughs> but that that's kind of what it's saying. But like, let's say, I'm trying to think of another like um, Phelps, like Michael Phelps, like one of the most decorated sport, you know, swimmers in the world. Like his net worth, oh, he's pretty. He's doing pretty well, actually. <laughs> I think it's. I imagine none of the sports probably pay as well as golf does. But and I'd that, say endorsements for the big, big, big names. And that's the other thing. Like, I don't know how I how I think about this. Should it be professional golfers well, playing see, in it? So I think I'll Google this today. I think the only amateur sports now. I think wrestling's still amateur, and then there's boxing. But I think boxing's also got some pro bits in it as well. So I'm not fully sure. I know boxing always was amateur. It was either the head guards and Anthony Joshua came from 2012, and and that's you hear about it in the boxing circles and stuff. That the Olympics is a massive thing for amateur fighters. Then often they'll turn pro and, and obviously make a, hopefully make a great career from it. That's one thing I would love if the golf was amateur mm. because. At the minute, like I said, you've got some massive names playing, of course you have. You've also got some massive names who aren't playing. But if the Olympics was amateur for golf, it would firstly still have golf on the on the showcase for all those millions of people watching who don't know about golf, maybe. 
But for your actual golfers, it would introduce you to a list of players who you might have never heard of unless you're seriously into the amateur game, elite amateur game, who then may go on to win or get placed or you know be on the podium, who then may decide to turn pro, who you then feel like you know a bit. So when they then play in the Open or a PJ Tour event or a European Tour event and it's Joe Bloggs who won bronze at Olympics, that would be so much more... Kind of, you'd know their journey to being pro, I guess, yeah. and it would mean. I imagine it would mean so much more for their calendar to have it every four years. It's massive, massive amateur event. I think if, again, if you won gold, you get access to all the majors that the following would, that, year. That would be sick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's what you could do. You could turn up with. You have to play with your medal on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think that's where you can have more fun with the formats. Like you mentioned before, should we change? But four four rounds 72 holes it's just a format we've like golf has come up with for the olympics if we had it amateur or i just think the format should be different personally i think there should be so many more disciplines i mean there should be a long drive section like, shouldn't <laughs> that would there? Be sick. i think that long would be sick. drive should be in the that olympics would be good. that would be very good like because that is a sport that so many people would just flick on the tv and go the hell's this yeah. oh my god they're hitting it 500 yards yeah. Like I think I agree. things like that is where you could be a little bit more adventurous with golf. And like I say, we've got our we've got our toe in the door in the Olympics right now. If to kick that open and to get more disciplines going in there, I think that is how it's step like I'd love to see in the next twenty years, golf in the Olympics isn't just what we see now, four rounds, seventy two holes, some of the best some of the best players in the world. It would be better if it was so different like we had there was like a week's worth of like incredible golf do you know what I mean yeah no as I said I'm going to try my best to watch well we'll watch at least the highlights of it and really try and get into it just that for me like again if Tommy wins it I would be happy because I I rate Tommy Fleetwood I think he seems like a nice guy and I've kind of briefly seen him with you or whatever um but I kind of wouldn't look at him in a... I wouldn't look at it, obviously, badly. He won the Olympics. But if he won that, in my mind, it's like a PJ Tour event. It's serious. It's like you've, you've beat some elite, elite golfers, but you've not won a major. And I'd like it to be more seen on that pedestal of a major, but I don't know how it ever will be. There's two golfers. As I mentioned a minute ago, I'd love a big name to win. Mm-hmm. I'd love Tommy Fleetwood or Paul Casey to win some from GB. However, there's two golfers that I would love Victor Hovland to see win. No, no, nope, not Victor Hovland. Um, I would love to see him win. Don't get wrong. Uh, for me, obviously, if, if you're a betting people, if you're betting person, by the way, definitely put money on Victor and Van Dam for the ladies. Uh, Tommy with film with just bet on people that I've I've been in presence with. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I That's think that chance they're going to do well. Yeah, exactly. Minwoo Lee's not playing this time. There's two golfers. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I would love to see win, and maybe it means more to these two golfers than anybody else in the field, bar none. I've honestly got no I feel like I'm going to say for some reason Cameron Smith, but I've got no idea who you're going to say. So this is a crazy one, okay? Go on. There's two South Korean golfers okay. playing in the in the Olympics. Right. Sun Jae Im and Si Woo Kim. Yeah. Okay? Do you know the story about this? No. In South Korea... It's mandatory. You have to do two years in national military training. You have to do it. There's no okay. excuses. So it, so you have to go home and do two years of training in the military. It's part of the... Oh, I don't know what you're getting on to now. You told me this before, yeah. The only way to get out of this military service is if they pick up an Olympic medal. I, I'm not sure if that's gold only. I don't think it's gold. But if they win a medal at the Olympics... 
they don't have to do two years of mandatory military service. That's mad. How ridiculous! How mad is that? So I'll be hoping they win. I, guess. I, I re- you know, there's nobody teeing it up on that. Whenever it's going to start, is it Thursday this week? Mm-hmm. There's nobody teeing it up that has more reason to win it. In, in, is there really? No, no, it's fair news. So Sunjay Im and Siwoo Kim, unless they want to do military service, good luck. Hopefully, you pick up a medal. I'd l- this is my perfect format. Tommy Fleetwood gets gold. Yeah. And then between bronze and silver, uh, Sunjay Im and Siwoo si Kim. Fair enough. Everyone wins then. Part Lovely the, story. Part of the military in South Korea, two men down. I'm sure they've got more. But yeah, I think uh, it's a. It's a See what happens. I will be interested for people that are watching. Well, people that are listening um, to the podcast. Feel free to email us. It's uh, podcast at rickshields.com and let us know your thoughts or put them on the um, Facebook group. People that are watching on YouTube, let's get some comments down below and we can obviously engage and, and reply to some and stuff because, again, you feel positive about the Olympics, which is great. I'm kind of on the fence. I definitely understand how it's going to be great for the sport. I just don't feel excited from actually a, a viewer standpoint, which I kind of wish I was. But let's see. I just so think. hope it gets the airtime it deserves you're right it's down to who wins yeah but anyway cool that was good that was quite you got quite passionate about that. i like it. i just you, I, I, a... I do really love the olympics yeah and and i think it's more that's what i love more than maybe the actual watching golf fair dues i've got some emails this week we've yeah. had some time to actually digest we've had so many emails recently which is awesome um and last couple of episodes we haven't really gone through many of them so i've got a stupid golf rule but it's one that normally the stupid golf rules, we sit here and we start getting raged by them because they're so stupid. This week's kind of is, but it's also got an angle I want to hear your take on. So it says, um, it's from Sean, I think I can say his name. Hey guys, <laughs> um, big fan of the state, uh, big fan from the States and um, just had a stupid golf rule pop up while I was on a vacation last week. He then put in brackets holiday, which is quite cool because obviously he's American, so let us know what our vacation means. Um, I took a trip with my family and decided last minute to play around with my brother. We didn't have clubs and needed to borrow some at the golf course. The pro shop told us they had clubs and we could rent them. But when we got there, they said there was only one set. Okay. But they required everyone to have their own set so we couldn't play. Okay. Even though we were sharing a cart and we'd be driving to each other's ball regardless. Luckily, we talked them into letting us play. But what a terrible rule that was trying to get people into golf. Imagine bringing a friend out to play for the first time with a plan to borrow your clubs, only to be told they can't play because they don't have their own. Uh, I can't imagine a quicker way to turn people off the game. Um, basically, wanted to hear your take on it. So, just briefly, I thought on that at the start, that would be ridiculous. If you've got two guests coming to the golf club who want to rent clubs and you've only got one set in stock, to turn them away would be make no sense. They're showing a buggy, it's not in the world. So that part is is correct. But what do you think on that in general? If if you were in the pro shop at the meal, like you were 10, 15 years ago, and a group came of four lads or four women, whatever, and they had one set of clubs, that surely isn't no, the rule. No, okay. the rule of golf, yeah. The, the rule that, like I say, when I was working in the pro shop, I can't actually remember anybody ever not abiding by this rule. But yeah, you had to have your own clubs, basically. I mean, what he could have done, done there, say, not a problem, can we hire a bag as well and mm. just split the set? Yeah. That's true. You have a driver, I'll have a three-wood, you have a two, whatever, do odds and evens, and you've got two sets of clubs, two half sets, effectively. Mm-hmm. It, it is a daft rule, and there's certain situations like that where they're on holiday, and, you know, it, they've gone down to a, a local golf course, and they want to go and play golf, and they're paying a green fee, and whatever, paying for a buggy, and obviously else, and they'll have to pay for the golf clubs. Like, 
there are situations like that where, you know, if the pro could be a little bit accommodating and they're playing together and they've got a buggy and whatever, it's possibly when people push the rules and, you know, if you weren't playing with a buggy, it's, it could slow up play enormously. Mm. You and me are playing, right? We're walking. Yeah. We're in a busy tea, tea, you know, tea, um, busy tea sheet and we've only got one club between us. You hit it to the right, I hit it to the left. Yeah. You have to walk over to your ball with all your clubs, hit your shot. Then you've got to walk over to my ball as I pick my club out. Suddenly we've hit it in different directions yeah. again. That I think that as the as the logical reason is why you couldn't. Is that the it. only reason? As I was thinking that, then the only thing I can think of is slow play. I, I, I think so. I don't know. I don't and know just, the definition. Do you think there's something about the image of it as like it doesn't look good for some reason if you've got a three ball with one set of clubs? Yeah, possibly. It's probably the look. Um, but you, you're right. If you had three bags and just splits the set, then what's the difference? But yeah, I think it's more slow play and probably the look. But like I said, there should be some exceptions. And really, if he'd have just said, well, let's uh, let's hire a bag. Well, can we hire that bag as well? And we'll just split the set. I don't know if that yes. would have been acceptable, but um, it, it's, it is a stupid rule. It's got some reason why, it's, why it exists. Makes sense. So, got a dear Rick. Okay. <laughs> and it's quite a weird one, but I like it. It's quite controversial, and it, I'm taking it with a pinch of salt. Okay. I want to hear your take on it. So the title is Comparing Yourself to the Pros. Okay. Um, and it's from, I think you said we can say his name. I'll say it at the end if we can. I think we can. But I was playing golf this weekend, and I watched some golf on the telly when I got back on the TV. I'm sure this has been covered, but it struck me after a few frustrations just how many advantage the tour pros have um, to add to their considerable talent. Okay. okay. Um, and how it impacts the game, and how compared to us amateurs, they gain a huge advantage in strokes saved during a game. I think I know what you're going to say. I'd be interested to know what you think we would shave off as us amateurs if we had all these things at our disposal. Okay. So the first one... Ball, ball spotting's got yeah. to be in there. So um, the first thing... Well, yeah, that, that is definitely in here. He said, these are a few of the obvious factors the pros benefit from that would surely have an impact on my game as an average kind of golfer. So... They have two or three days analysing the golf course with his support teams. Obviously, I'm guessing he's his caddy and his coach, etc. Or their caddy, their coach. Checking yardages, the slopes, the hazards, the greens, etc. And then they play it a couple of times. Yeah. He's put, secondly, they've got a, a caddy with them who is obviously carrying the bag but also knows all about their golf game and gives them advice on clubs and reads of greens, etc. All of their golf clubs, obviously, are perfectly fitted to them by the manufacturer that they're sponsored by or by the use compared to the average customers who may or may not be fitted properly or at all. Uh, on the golf course, this is what you said, they have the benefit of ball spotters so that pretty much every time they hit a ball wayward, it gets found, whereas for us amateurs, that's very, very rarely the case that you find a ball in thick rough or well, whatever. Did you, did you see the mad start at Royal St. George's? So the first hole, that really deep rough on the right, so many golfers were bailing over there not one golf ball got lost. The ball spots found every single golf ball that week. It's mad. And then this one is a bit silly, kind of tongue-in-cheek one, but he said the knowledge that if you do hit it towards the edge of the fairway, it'll bounce off a member of the crowd and probably <laughs> go back into play. And it's, but underpinning all, underpinning all of the above, the fact that these professionals do little else other than practice golf day in, day out, um, and have the best coaches in the business, which is a bit of a silly one, because obviously it's the job to play golf every day. Um but basically, it's a bit of a kind of tongue-in-cheek thing, but he's basically saying, to, to, when we look at golfers on the tour and they shoot these amazing scores, they've obviously got loads of ability naturally and they're so gifted. There's a lot of things you might not think about that could save the average golfer shot. So I suppose my question to you then, putting all that together, would be, 
if the average golfer who's, let's say, an 18 handicapper went out with all these benefits, would it save them shots? And if so, how many do you think it would save them? I definitely think the ball spotting would save them a lot. I think the preparation is maybe a bit overlooked. I think having a, you know, because how many times have you played your local golf course? Exactly. Like, you know that golf course, exactly. like the back of your hand. So playing a golf course three or four days in a row before you get to play it in a tournament, for a lot of golfers, might actually do more harm than good. Like, they might tire them out. Mm-hmm. You know, they might they might develop bad shots. They might do something that would actually affect their golf in a negative capacity. Obviously, things like club fittings and all day to practice. Again, how many average golfers can practice all day? Mm-hmm. I honestly think people get worse. I remember seeing people go to the driving range and buy like 150 golf balls, the biggest bucket yeah. they can find, thinking I'm going to do a proper grind session. And either one, quitting halfway because 150 golf balls is hard to hit. So many. Or start by hitting it well and hit the last ones terribly. Tired swings, bored, laziness, faults creeping, etc. So I think for that capacity, I don't actually think that many people would, would get better. Talked about fitting. Obviously, going out on tour, you get all the benefit of having a tour fitter majority of the time. But again, a lot of people can get fitted. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people can go to a, a range and get fit and everything else. I understand that that would be a benefit if you're hitting off grass. And I mean, some of the best, best players in the world even have that tour rep walking around with them as they play. Yeah. It's an amount of three or four drivers and they can actually fit them as they're playing golf in a practice round. That would be an awesome benefit. Um, obviously, I have the coach with them all the time. Again, I get, I can see that as a benefit. So, so long story short, I think there would be two things that would make the biggest difference: not losing a golf ball pretty much ever, yeah, unless you hit it out of bounds or in a water hazard, yeah. So, I think if you were hitting it towards long rough, you wouldn't really lose it. Question though, true, but then they'd have to play out of that long rough, yeah. And for the average golfer, would they have the skill set required if it's thick rough that would lose a ball to actually get it out? Possibly. So it might actually... And Whereas if you if you lost a ball, went three off the tee, and you're now in the fairway, but if you find it in that horrible lot, long rough, first thing, it's like a bit of an air shot where you catch off. Possibly. You, so it might actually yeah. not... It should, on theory, save yeah. shots, but would it? And I think this is a big one, but I think you'd need time to get comfortable with it. I do think a caddy could help a lot of golfers. Mm-hmm. So we did a video with Steve Brotherhood, who has a company It's like... A tour pro caddies where you can actually hire a caddy for a day and i do think that would be a benefit but i think a lot of average golfers if they've never ever had a caddy before they'd actually feel quite intimidated about it yeah you know somebody watching every shot you hit and almost i can imagine a lot of average golfers hitting a bad shot and like apologizing to a caddy they would i'm really sorry i didn't mean to hit that and you know it wasn't your fault so i think a caddy over time if you had them if you had somebody a lot and it's somebody that really started to get you know your game and you felt comfortable with them. I do see, I do think that would be a benefit for a lot of golfers because they would just it, it's that voice of reason when sometimes you need it. Yeah, it's that little confidence boost just when you need it. So you know you make double on the first, and suddenly you you're left in your own thoughts and you're thinking, oh my god, I've made double on the first. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you know another double next hole. I'm gonna this can be the worst round of golf I've ever had. Well, if you had a caddy there just going, oh, don't worry about that. We've got 17 holes yep. left to go. Come on. Well, let's make birdie on this next one. You love this hole, this next yeah. hole. I mean, ideally, you want to train yourself to talk like that yourself anyway. It's hard, though, isn't it? Very difficult. To very almost hard. be your own caddy in your own head. But if you had somebody there that, that kind of 
give you a little... And I think that's why, let's say, Rory has, like, Harry Diamond on yeah. the back, because it's just a mate. I think people... Under, certainly with Harry Diamond, people underestimate that. They think that he's not a professional caddy as such. It's his best mate from home, who I think is a plus four or five yeah, golfer. Yeah, a class golfer. Who's, like, won Northern Ireland championships. He's a serious golfer. And... How good? Obviously, it has to work, and clearly, it has worked to some degree. Clearly, but like having a friend on the bag who knows your game better than anybody, who knows your personality, who's a friend who, if you are leading a tournament, and you're coming down eighteen, might chat to you about something random, yeah. and it's like a memory from back in yeah, the day, exactly. Yeah. So that that's a powerful thing. So I think, like I say, all that into consideration, give me a number of shots it would save an eighteen handicapper. Very rough, obviously, but. Um, but it's hard, isn't it? Because the thing is, if it was at your local course, mm-hmm. so, because that's the other thing that I think that average golfer or average golfers aren't thinking about, these guys are playing on the hardest golf courses in the frigging world week in, week out. If you had all that set up at your local golf course, the course you play all the time, yes, you would save a few shots. You know, right, we would save you more, though, going to a new course, because when we played at the old course and yeah. we had those caddies, they definitely saved me a couple of shots, yeah. because there's so many tee shots, they said, you can go miles left on here, where I wouldn't believe them, and I'd no hit way. one, I'd pull it, and I'd go, that's going to be bad. they go, no, that's fine, honestly, trust me, that's yeah. fine. Again, it's in the fairway. Yeah. If I played that course blind, I would never have known that, and I would have probably put it right and out of town or something. But like, again, like having that caddy, that experience, like I say, on a new course, but sometimes, again, if, if it's a caddy you've you've never met yeah it's it's a bit weird no, sometimes true. like and i i've had caddies and i feel comfortable having caddies but if i've met somebody and they know my game a little bit already i'm much more comfortable yeah. than, than somebody who's brand new just grabbing my back i think you like it when i sometimes say what club to hit yeah, yeah i do if i say like a little soft seven here and you're like okay it's just that little bit of encouragement because it's just it takes the mindset off me yeah like i've i've passed responsibility on yeah. and you recommend that club it's like recommending a nice restaurant to go to yeah like, if it's bad it's blame guy <laughs> but but i almost think it will already be good yeah because you've recommended like you somebody you or somebody that i would trust yeah has recommended it to me so I, it's a great point and i understand where he's coming from but i think there's a lot i think the other thing that last thing he's got to think about is that so all those positives i'm going to throw in a few negatives one the average golfer doesn't play in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of people who are desperate, to, who have paid money to come and watch you play mm. golf. That's pressure. The average golfer doesn't have to speak to media before they go out and play. Mm-hmm. They don't have to speak to media after they play, which is probably one of the yeah, hardest things to do. Shot 82 and you get on to speak to Sky Sports. Um, yeah, just, and you've got that big truck and yeah. you've got like... They click on the, the blue eight. <laughs> You got an eight on this par four. Oh, uh, well, we're not out of town on the right, and I couldn't find my ball, and I fixed it in the green. <laughs> so Cheers, just, Rick. Thanks for and, the interview. And, and they're showing you, they're showing you highlights. Yeah. So explain this shot to me when you when you shot it. That's what's known as a huddle rocket. <laughs> so I think, and and like again, even when you're just on the driving range hitting golf shots, again it looks fantastic, but sometimes that turf is so tight oh, and hard to hit yeah. off. And again, you've got hundreds of people behind you watching you practice. Yeah watching every single shot you hit. And then around the putting green, you just want to hit a few putts before you go and play. You've got hundreds of people watching every single putt that you hit. And then you get to the 18th hole, and you, you, you come in tied 12, so you're not doing a great... Well, you're doing well, but you're not going to win. But then you've got a putt that's six-footer that if you miss it, it's going to cost you 30 grand. Exactly. You're thinking, that's pressure. Exactly. Yeah. So there's lots of pros yeah. for playing in that situation, but you, you can't... 
bring out all the pros if you if you don't bring in the other se- section of things. And as also, well. if you're unsure, go and watch the video we did with James Robinson, where he played with a package set that cost seventy quid and still absolutely destroyed yeah, the golf course. Yeah. Um, so, Rick. We've done about 50 minutes. We've got a little 10 minutes left to go. We're still having this issue with Apple Podcasts for some annoying reason when they're over an hour. It doesn't like it. So we're trying to keep them roughly an hour. Um, but we've had some really good questions from the Facebook page. Okay. And most of these people that have written the questions, I believe, are in the clubhouse. Okay. So for those people who maybe this is the first episode or they've only listened to a couple and not sure what the clubhouse is, you are in the clubhouse when you've listened to every single episode of the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <Not once. laughs> Twice is ultra clubhouse. Um, and when you're in the clubhouse, you are considered as Rick's friend. So when you see when you when you see Rick in the street, you go up and say, Hi Rick, I'm in the clubhouse, and he automatically gives you a ten pound note. Sometimes twenty, depends how he's feeling. Wow. Uh, a lad did it before and Rick gave him a fifty pound note. Wow. So it does happen, <laughs> believe me. Um, Fre- freshly printed this morning. Yeah, Rick walks around with five fifty pound notes every day um so the first question is from ryan barker and i've picked this question on purpose because it's something we did this morning it says does rick plan on doing more budget golf club reviews great question and guys just said there we've been busy this morning already and uh we might have made a little purchase and that video may be coming out back end of this week yes hopefully um yeah it's a package set something good we don't want to get too much away but i think it'll be a good video kevin has asked how do you actually watch the podcast? So people that are watching this now will know because they're watching it. People that are listening that don't know Rick. How do you watch the podcast? All right, he's asking that. Genuinely question. asked that, Kevin McCaldrick. So we have a second YouTube channel yep. called the Rick Shields Golf Show YouTube channel. Let me just double check stats. I think we've got about 115,000 subscribers on there. And each week, a few hours after the podcast airs on Spotify, Apple, Podcasts, etc. The full video, and we're pretty much doing full videos at the moment. We're doing full videos now, and we're finding, actually, not that this matters to the to listener or viewer, but just for our own um, interest, the actual numbers now seem to be bigger on the people watching than listening. So the listener yeah. numbers are still great, which we really appreciate everybody listening. It still, ultimately, is a podcast. But the actual people that are watching it now seems to be outweighing the people that just listen. So you've got the option. Some people actually weirdly add this myself with other podcasts. I listen to some and then watch some, and it's quite good to see... Um, when you watch people speak, it sometimes is different. Like, I might say a word and then do this with my fingers. What's yeah, that called? Yeah. Like, quotation marks. Yeah. But if you're just listening, you don't know I've done that. And when of you course. watch, it kind of makes things a bit more... Um, and if you, want, if you want to uh, see what face I'm pulling right now... Oh, my God. you got to watch the podcast. I've got to watch the podcast. Uh, yeah, so subscribe when you're over there. And then every Tuesday, you'll get a notification and you can sit back, relax. And if you've got YouTube Premium... Nice little new added. You can swipe down and it kind of pops up in the corner. Yeah, and it plays in the background as well. And what I also like was sometimes YouTubers say this. Subscribe. And if you don't like don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. Oh, can you hack it? No, don't do that. But it's just letting people know there's no no there's no risk. It's a risk-free process. And, and literally, all of this, and this is what's fascinating. For everyone watching, listening, this is all free for you. Yeah. Every single bit of it is free. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What a world do we live in? Um... So, this is a good question as well. I've got a couple more, little little quick fires. From David Downs, I love this. Is haggling in a pro shop a common thing? How do I do it without being cheeky? I'm the worst person to ask about you this. You pay more, if anything. I am horrendous at haggling. Well, I, I literally... I'm not. My dad absolutely loves haggling. It's awkward, in it, sometimes. I would say, if you're in a pro shop and they have fitted you for let's say a driver and it's been a great service and they've taken the time with you and the price that it is up for is the price you would see at a large shop e.g an american golf or a clubhouse golf whatever it might be it's 
up to you if you want to ask for a discount, but that is typically the price it has to be sold at and for them to make a decent amount of profit and to be worth their time. So the pro may not be too happy if you start demanding a discount and then walking off, whatever. But having said that, if you walk into a pro shop and there's a nice second-hand Scotty or there's a second-hand wedge or irons and they're up for whatever price, I think it's quite common practice to say, oh, I like those. Could you do us? What, what would you do them for? And they might just want to get shift, shift, shift the stock and say, I'll do you a tenner off, 15 quid off. So if you don't ask, you don't get. But I would just say, certainly with pro shops and good pro shops, like Dan Webster at um, Lytham, um, Rhythm, not Rhythm, St. Anne's, St. Anne's Old Links and Lytham Golf Academy. Those guys work hard, don't they? Yeah. And there's not as much profit in golf clubs than people actually think. Oh, there's hardly anything. If a driver is 350 quid, honestly, the golf shop aren't making a lot of Probably money bought it. it for 275. Yeah, it's, it's genuinely mad. not as much as the you ma- think. The markup on hardware, which is clubs, is horrendous. But it's worth asking. Certainly if you're buying bulk from a pro shop. I mean, if you went into go and buy 12 dozen Pro V1s for a golf day or something crazy, you might well want to do a bit of a deal. You know what the only thing is with haggling that I'm never the biggest fan of is if I went to a market stall, mm-hmm. which I, I don't really do, but if I did, and I was buying some fruit, mm-hmm. buying some bananas, some apples, some strawberries, whatever, and it suddenly became 12 quid, right? Yeah. I don't know how much fruit is, but let's say it was 12 quid. And I might go, oh, could you do that for a tenner? Ah, oh, yeah, love, like, yeah. not a problem, Ricky. You're local and come here every time. I'm in the clubhouse. Yeah. And then you give him 50 quid. And like, no, I give him like a tenner and go, oh, thanks. And I oh, chuck in a bag, would you? Yeah, I chuck in a bag. Normally you've got to pay 12p for one of these, but go on, I chuck in a bag, right? And you walk away, you've paid £10 for your fruit. Yeah. A little market store, a little independent store, who's, who's you know, every every penny they make is helping them survive, is yeah. going back into the business, is paying for the rent for the stall, it's paying for the, the produce, it's paying for the family and everything else. But you want to knock two quid off them. Mm-hmm. If I went into Sainsbury's, into Tesco, into Asda, and picked up all the fruit, and the fruit would be more expensive, probably 16 quid, I'm not going to the till and going, oh, do, it, do us this for tenner, would you? <laughs> Because look at you like... Well, that time you tried that in Sainsbury's near you, they looked at you well with, didn't they? It says, Rick Shields again. I literally... Fruit. Have you seen his face? It's £12 worth of bananas. <laughs> got 115,000 subscribers on my second channel. But like, I'd, I'd go in, like you're never going to haggle at a supermarket, really. Because no, it doesn't it happen. happen. They, think... They're not going to say, oh yeah, not a problem. It's £16, you pay £16. It's yeah. more expensive. And I think that's the one thing, like, if you went into a American golf here in the UK, you wouldn't really haggle. They used to, though. Not so much anymore. Because it's a big shop. Yeah. I'm doing quotation marks for people listening. It's a big shop. I'm trying to think of the PGA Superstore in America. Yeah. You wouldn't go in and, like, haggle there because it's a big shop. But, like, someone like Stacked Golf, who have yeah. a YouTube channel. Yeah. I've got back into them really loads yeah, at good. the moment. They'll go to, like, um, they call them, like, thrift shop. Like a charity shop, thrift shop over in America. And... It's all about haggling. Yeah, yeah. It's all about haggling. And even like tactics, This I was watching a video the other day and they, they were walking down this driveway and there was a there was a tour bag on the right-hand side. If you've not checked out Stack Golf, um, a, a, a couple, can't yeah. remember the names. No, I can't. A couple who go around America, I'm really sorry, I forgot your names, they go around America and they'll pick up little bargain clubs and they'll test them and it's, it's I, really, I really like it. It's just a nice little chilled vibe. And they're walking down the, down the driveway and there was a, a bag on the right side, a tour bag, mm-hmm. and they got dead excited. And I remember him saying to, to his missus, going, shh, just, just yeah. don't, don't act too excited. And they kind of moseyed on round and pretended to look at a few other things and went to the to the woman who was selling the bag and went, um, how much for the, the golf bag up the front? I don't want it, but I'll take if you, if you want to get rid of it, I'll take it off your hands. And uh, the guy went, 
I think the guy said 50 quid or, or something. And they got the price wrong and mixed up. And and anyway, long story short, they got it for an absolute bargain because they didn't seem like they were that interested in it. And yeah. anyway, it turned out to be a, a Paul the Creamer golf bag oh signed goodness. by Paul the Creamer. Um, who she actually played with the bag. I mean, it's just, it was a cool little thing to find, but like there was tactics about negotiations. Yeah. There was tactics. You can't go in and go, oh my God, I love that bag. I yeah, want yeah. that bag. I have to have that bag. Like, because when you get to the till, they're just going to go, oh, that's 50 quid extra, yeah. whatever it may be. So when in Rome, if the, if the environment is right to haggle and to get for a discount, do it. If it's not, no. But don't do it to a little golf shop. No. That's my, like I say. And this is coming from Rick, who took a free putter when he played at Stockport Golf Club. I offered to pay. You offered to pay, got I it for free, happily walked out with it. That's what I did. <laughs> I, I, I offered to pay yes. and get things for free. Perfect. I like your style. But though, then we bought golf clubs today, didn't get a single discount. No. And that's somebody you know. Yeah. We're doing... That might be telling you something. <laughs> it's something. Someone you know, and we didn't, didn't get a penny off. No. But to be honest with you, we couldn't for that video. Anyway, a couple more questions. We're hitting the hour mark now. Um, really brief on this, Rick. We may be going into this in more depth than other podcasts, but Dylan has said, if you could both design any golf club in the bag, what would it be and why? Well, I've kind of had a stint of somewhat designing a driver with yeah. driver versus driver that I did, uh, even though I wasn't the driver designer. Um, and I've had a go at designing the putter. Yes. Went over to the Isle of Man. Yes. I'm having another putter designed for me at the moment, yeah. which you've seen from Bradley. Um, probably putter would it? Yeah, probably would. Got a lot to do. I, I just creative. and it might not. It wouldn't be performance massively based. <laughs> just, nice heel just toe, beautiful. Yeah. Just just beautiful pieces of art. I think mine would be driver only because so many good drivers get made, and there's one thing on it that spoils it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like back in the day, Nike ones had a green swoosh on it, just yeah. ruined it. I'd like to make a driver that's like dead kind of classic in terms of shaping and nice colours and a bit of modern underneath but not too much just make it like don't ruin it but that's really a, that's aesthetically oh yeah because you've performance. got performance <laughs> as long as it looks good look and good play good the thing is with like a putter obviously there's some performance in it but there's a rough idea as long yeah. as you can get some I mean if you can make a super classic blade putter like just mega mega blade last question then and nice one to end on but don't just have you? I know your automatic reaction, but just take a second and then answer it. It would be. It would be. It's from uh, Matthew Higgins said. I would love to know your opinion on people who have one of these in their golf bag, uh, and it's basically a ball retriever. What do you think my opinion would be? Because probably would say, "Oh, they're not that good." That's what my opinion was when I first saw the question. You might be different. I don't mind them. It's quite. Let's be honest now. If you see one of those in the bag, people often might think things or say things or have a laugh about it. But ultimately, if you're a new golfer or not a very good golfer or beginner, or whatever, and you hit a lot of balls into lakes, into trees, and you don't want to be spending a fortune on golf balls, yeah. having that in the bag can literally help retrieve your golf ball. It can literally make you money. Yeah, well, exactly. So it's there's things that like we've talked about iron head covers before, a bit of a joke yeah. and stuff. But ultimately, all these things are personal. And like, I know iron head covers aren't necessarily the coolest, but if you... You were looking f- at some today. I was looking at some Mizuno ones. Um, if you've literally got irons you've spent a fortune on and you might want to possibly resell them in the future to trade them in or whatever, and you want to keep them nice, or it's up to you. It's like, people, I don't have a cover on my phone. Most people do. That's just a preference thing. But you, couldn't, you shouldn't laugh at someone for having a cover on the phone because they drop the phone, it keeps it intact. That's worthwhile. Um, and same with things like a ball retriever. If it helps you save a few quid or you like find a few balls... Having said all that, people that took a towel into the trousers, which you sometimes see at golf courses, mm. typically seniors, that's banned, that, out yep. of the course, yep. never coming back. Don't have that here. At my golf club. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think... I, you know what, though? I, going back to the ball tree retriever, I could 100% see me 
60 odd. Mm-hmm. I've joined a class golf course, right? Mm-hmm. I've got all the time in the world. I play I play in kind of either super early in the morning on the back nine where it's quiet. And I, I don't really care what I shoot, but I can go home and say, I found five balls today. Found five, and you put with the glove on. I feel like yeah. Just, I, f- just... I, found, I found three Pro V1s, a Bridgestone and a, and a Callaway. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> On that note, um, that was a decent podcast. That, that. was a terrible pick of golf balls. I could really have said, was. like, I found a Volvic. I found, yeah. I found like, st- a Strata. You stumbled under pressure then. But, yeah, I could imagine myself doing that in the future. Guys, thanks for listening to episode 88. We're getting close to 100. We're going to have to do a big one on 100. Mm. See what happens. Might retire. <laughs> 100 not out. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. Come some, A couple of cool videos. Got an exciting day tomorrow, which I can't tell you about because I'm not really doing any filming. But you and me might get some new golf clubs. Yeah, I think I'm going to get some new irons if I can. Um, thanks, everyone. Rate it five stars if you're not already. Just, and just uh, don't what, call do me a ferret face, please. Do you like that? <laughs> I do like ferret you, face. He's actually looking for a ferret head cover at the yeah, moment. I really am. Send me one if you've got one, anyone, or let me know where to buy one. Right, peace out, everyone. See ya. See ya. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.